If you would, in your Bibles, Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Matthew 22, we mentioned that that was your key passage in the Bible, the whole Bible, regarding relationships. And uh, we're going to cover a subject, part two. This will be the second part uh, of this subject for right now. Uh, on the subject of relationships. Matthew 22 beginning at verse 36. One who was a student of the Old Testament law asked Jesus a question, testing him, verse 35, verse 36. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? What's the one that's way up there? The most important. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if you look at the 40th verse, it says all the Old Testament is summarized in these two verses, in these two commandments. Did you ever hear somebody say, well, you can't command somebody to love somebody? Wrong I'm, I'm amazed. I'm serious. I am really serious about this. Jesus does command us to love others, and he commands us to love God. You say, well, should he really do that? Yes, he should, because we know we're flesh and blood, and he desires our love. He loves us, as we'll see in just a few minutes. So the Lord Jesus said, if you want to know what's at the top with regards to relationships, in fact, there's an order there. If we as believers are loving God like we should, then he's going to be working in our hearts and we're going to be loving others as we should. I don't think there's any one of us here this morning who would say, you know, I, I don't want good relationship with others. I don't mind it when relationships are bad or they're strained. It's not good. Good relationships, boy, they're, they're good for your health. Uh, they're good for your life. But strained relationships can be very harmful to you as a person. So Jesus says, love God, honor him. Uh, Jesus, God said, you should have no other gods before me. Uh, we should really love the Lord. And then secondly, he says that we are to be, of course, loving others. I was amazed again this week, uh, digging around in the scriptures on the subject of um, the exhortations in the word of God to have a good relationship with others. Um, Romans 12:18. You need not turn there right this minute. Just kind of keep the reference in mind. If it is possible, as much as lies in you or depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. This thing's realistic. This word of God is very realistic. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, if it is possible, because some of you might be saying, it's impossible for me to have a good relationship with that other person. You may say that. And you know, the other person may be very antagonistic and uh, doesn't desire relationship with you and may be very hostile to the things you say. So that's why the Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, said, if it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. And God wants us to do that. That's a relationship text in Scripture. There are many, uh, many of them. I, I found this one. You're, you're going to love hearing this one. This is not a verse in the Bible, but this was a beauty. Uh, it said this. 
You know how sometimes we get irritated in relationships? <laughs> this is some statement. It says, Irritation in the heart of a believer is always an invitation to the devil to be on standby. In other words, the devil's watching us. <laughs> if we get really irritated at somebody, he's ready to put thoughts in our minds to avenge ourselves. That's the idea. Uh, Romans 15.1 We who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak or the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And uh, there you have a reference that's saying, if you know someone who's weak in the faith and they're not, they're not as mature in the things of God as you are, be ready to help them. Be ready to encourage them. Uh, very, very important. We saw last week as well that there are a number of lists of do this and you will find relationships will be strengthened. We all want that. We want our relationships to be strengthened. And so there's, there's lists in Ephesians and in Colossians and Peter that... And I noticed that there are three terms that are used in a number of these lists. And these three terms, I think it is good if we can remember them. One is love, the second is forgiveness, and the third is humility. Love, forgiveness, and humility. These three keep coming up. You say, okay, I want to hear what the Bible says about relationships. I do want good. I realize some people don't, might not want a good relationship with me. But I want a good relationship with them. Well, then the Lord says, Here's, this is going to encourage you. Love, forgiveness, and humility. And those factors must be in our thoughts and in our relations as we relate to others. Love, of course, is the commitment to the highest good of another. Uh, again, Charles Ryrie. Uh, I remember in seminary, the first time I heard him give the definition, love is seeking the highest good. And someone else. Not just good, but the highest. That's where love comes in. Romans 13, 8, love one another. The one who loves has fulfilled the law. John 15, 12, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And by the way, that other passage where he said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. People look at that and say, Well, that's not new. It says in the Old Testament we're to love God and we're to love others. It's new in the sense that Jesus says to we who know him, he says, look, seek my uh, strength, seek my wisdom, and love others just as much as I love you. You know, we could stop here this morning and say, you know, sometimes we forget how much God loves us. Each of you who are here this morning, God loves you very much. But you, you may say, well, you know, I'm not really in fellowship with the Lord or I'm not where God wants me to be. He still loves us, doesn't he? Does he love us or doesn't he? He loves us very much. And so he says, this is the commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. He loves us and we'll talk about how he loved the disciples. Forgiveness, love, forgiveness, humility. Forgiveness is ceasing to have resentment against someone who offends you. Not easy to do. Last Sunday I had some response to the word of God. Not easy to do. Forgiveness to somebody who doesn't want it, to somebody who continues to be the antagonist. But what did Jesus do on the cross? What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
You know, you could take that phrase, they know not, because if someone's antagonistic against you and you want to settle things up, you want things to be right before God, but they don't want things to be right with you or don't want things to be right with God, they don't know what they're doing. They really don't. The Apostle Paul said, Ephesians 4.22, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. By the way, there's the verse that gives us the reminder. It's interesting as you read God's Word. Go slow sometimes, because you'll see that there's something there that God wants you to remember out of that verse. And out of that verse, he says again, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here's what he wants us to remember. Even as God in Christ forgave you. So if I am called upon by God to forgive somebody, you know what God wants me to do? He wants me to remember that He forgave me. That's why we can forgive others. You say, well, isn't that excusing them? Isn't that encouraging them to go on with uh, their actions or their con-? No, not necessarily. In fact, we often can communicate to someone, you know, my brother in the Lord, uh, you're heading in the wrong direction. Talked to a brother in Christ who attended here a number of years ago, and he got on the phone with a friend who was really falling into sin, really falling into sin. And he says, you know, I talked, I tried to reason with this man, and he wouldn't listen. And he said, I thought of a verse of Scripture, and he said, and I'm going to bring this right out, right now. He said to this brother in his family, He said, you know, because you're forsaking your wife and going after another woman, it says in the book of Proverbs, don't miss that, that you're like an ox going to the slaughter. And the guy said, boy, thank you for that. I'm really going to change my ways. He didn't say it that way, did he? No. But he said, I'm going to remember what you told me. That's paraphrase of what he said. I'm going to remember. And and um, this other individual and I, we prayed for this man. We said, Lord, help this man who still has a chance to save his marriage. You say, well, marriages can't always be saved. Well, right. Because sometimes there's a hardness of the heart. But for someone to cheat on a spouse, not alone are there reasons for a divorce, but to cheat on a spouse book of Proverbs says it's like a man like an ox going to the slaughter. Wow. Heavy duty. Wow, we better open the windows here. Uh, the third word is the word humility. Humility is the attitude of the heart and mind to consider others ahead of oneself. We're going to give you an example of this in a few minutes. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And humility is something that God wants to see in our lives. Our willingness to give preference to others. Our willingness to see what what the need of someone else is and and to be willing to step in there and help. And listen, if you're doing that, God's working in your life. If if today, this week, you say, you know, I I know somebody who has a need and I'm going to do my best to help there. Wow, God's working in your life. It's awesome. really is. The word for love that's used in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 is the word agape, which is a... God-given love. It's a self-giving love. It's a love that has its source in God. It's agape. There are other terms in the Greek language for love. Uh, This is the um, awesome, uh, the highest form of love, agape love. 
And Jesus said, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Live or dwell or understand my love for you. We could pause here for a minute and say, <coughs> pardon me. Do I really understand God's love? Wow. Just think of the things that the Lord has done for you. Um, I jotted some things down. In fact, I found these, most of them. Some things that our line of thinking, you know, and God says, wait a minute. Here's how you're thinking, but here's how I want you to think. <coughs> Pardon me. You may say, well, I just can't figure this out. I just can't figure this out. But the Lord says, I will direct your steps, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Does he say that or not? Yes, he will. He will. Somebody says, well, I'm really tired. I, I'm at the place in life where I'm just tired. But what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Does he give us rest? Absolutely. Sometimes people will say, you know, this is an impossible situation. This is, this is impossible. But the Lord says, with me, all things are. Sometimes somebody will say, well, nobody really loves me. Well, you know, that's not an accurate statement as well, because for God so the world. Sometimes somebody will say, uh, I can't forgive myself. Can't forgive myself. I, that was stupid of me to do that. I can't forgive myself. But God says, I will forgive you. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, we have to confess our sins. We have to forsake sins. But God says, there is no condemnation to you. Oh, there's a number of other ones. Sometimes somebody will say, well, you know, I'm not smart enough for this situation. And God says, 1 Corinthians 1.30, Jesus Christ has made unto us wisdom. Sometimes uh, someone will say, I just really can't go on. And God will say, well, wait a minute, remember, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 1 Corinthians 16.14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Very, very important. That commandment to love others and to love God is very clear. The enabling it gives us is awesome. I jotted down five things. You can find these if you look up all the verses. But um, there's five things about love that are mentioned in the Word of God. Love is commanded. Love is already possessed by believers because if you're a Christian, God has worked in your heart and shown you his love. Number three, love is to be the norm of the Christian's life. Didn't Jesus say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another? Love must be shown and practiced in order to be genuine. Apostle John said, let us not um, love in word or in um, in tongue but in deed and in truth I was reading this past week again beautiful example of love being shown you remember that terrible uh, shooting horrific shooting that took place at Westwood Baptist Church remember in Texas what town was that was it in the Arlington area terrible someone went into the service and young people were killed Adults were killed. Uh, it was terrible. Well, there were a number of funerals during the week. 
It got towards the end of the week after the shooting. I believe the shooting occurred on when, uh, on Wednesday. But then on Saturday, some people in the church were approached and they said, um, what are you going to do for Sunday? And they said, well, we want to hold a, our service on Sunday. But the church was a disaster. Carpets were torn up. There were bullet holes around. Um, there was all kinds of, there was a mess. And people from another church said, if you want to worship in your church on Sunday, we're coming over and we're going we're to fix your church up. And it was beautiful to go in and worship the Lord because some people showed the love of Jesus Christ and they worked long and hard. And another church from five hours away in Oklahoma, the people from that church said, oh, they heard they wanted to still have the, church, the service in their church on Sunday. So they drove down to Texas and they had the prayer rock walk for the whole time the service was going on. The people from their church walked around praying to God saying uh, help these people, give them grace and strength because many have lost loved ones and help them to continue to worship you in the light of some terrible things that happened in their lives. Wow. Love. John 15 12, Jesus said love one another as I have loved you. How did he love the disciples? He loved them selfishly. Pardon me, selflessly. That's what happens when you look at the text that you write out. And when your handwriting is as good as mine. (laughs) Selflessly. And sometimes even our best efforts to show love to others may have a little element in it of uh, something that will help me. Uh, and, And I'm not trying to be critical here. What I'm trying to say is Jesus loved selflessly. He showed his love to the disciples. His desire was to give of himself, and he did that. He loved them understandingly. Jesus really knew the disciples. He was with them for three years. He knew their moods, their irritations, and their weaknesses, and he still loved the disciples. Thirdly, he loved them with forgiveness, forgivingly. Remember, Peter denied the Lord. Remember, most of them scattered. But that didn't hinder the Lord's love for the disciples. We need to remember how Jesus loved his disciples. Now quickly, just very quickly, 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter which I appreciate how John mentioned it. We can read often. Because it encourages us in our relationships. And we're just going to touch on them. But you'll notice it says at the end of the chapter 13, 13, now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these, greater than, and I'm going to say this cautiously, greater than your faith, greater than your hope for the future, and your hope is based on truth and the word of God, is that love that you showed to God and to others. So the first thing in 13.4 he says is, love suffers long and is patient. Wow, there we go. Now you can say, boy, here's where I click in. I am really patient. I mean, I am really patient. We have to be careful, don't we? We really do. Um, People are not always easy to be patient with. In fact, when God's love is at work in your life and in our hearts, it is amazing how we're able to... Don't miss this now. 
When you say, you know, God, I'm willing to take care of my relationships. And Lord, I need some help with regards to patience. It's amazing what the Lord will do for you. The Apostle Peter went to Jesus. And I I looked at this context again in Matthew 18. And the disciples may have been goading Peter. They may have been giving him a hard time. And so Peter goes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seventy times seven. Wow. I think after that, Peter began to have a stronger relationship with the other disciples. He was the leader of the group. They were probably agitating him. And Lord, how how often do I forgive these guys? Seventy times seven. Now, can I say this with you? And I'm here too. There's portions of the Bible we don't believe. He said, whoa, what's he saying that for? Because we don't. We don't believe that we should forgive somebody 70 times 7. Sometimes. We just don't believe it. We believe in holding it out for somebody. It's not easy. It's not easy. I looked up Luke 17.4. If you write, take notes, that's a good one. It says, if a brother sins against you seven times in a day, Jesus said, seven times in a day, if he returns to you saying, I repent, then you should forgive him. Seven times in one day. Seven times in the same day. And what you'll say is, well, they don't really mean it. But Jesus' point is this. Please don't mess with what Jesus is saying. Jesus' point is this. If they really mean it, if they really repent, if they really know they've hurt you, if they really know they've offended God, and they really want forgiveness from God, then you should forgive them. Now people will say, well, what if a person hasn't repented? Well, what's the spirit of Christ on the cross? That everyone who hung Jesus on the cross, were they all sorry for their sins? He had the spirit of forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the point is, it is amazing how, how God will bless your spirit and your ability and your relationships in life. If people even close to you know, you know, my mother, my father, my aunt, my uncle, they are forgiving people. They are forgiving people. And there are those who can look in their family circles and say, boy, I know this person in the family and this person in the family and they are not forgiving people. They won't even speak to each other. Which of the two does God want? It's pretty obvious. And again, is this easy to do? No. (laughs) The Lord didn't say it was easy. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. But he says... That he will grant the ability. I can do all things through. Let's do it again. I can do all things through. Who gives me strength. Easy to say. Sunday morning between 10.30 and 11.31. But God wants me to realize. That if he asks me to forgive. That I can do it. And in that sphere of forgiveness. Boy, relationships, even with those you think will never be resolved, 
It is amazing what God can do. Someone has said this. One moment of patience may ward off a great disaster. Remember it says next, love is patient. One moment of patience may ward off a great disaster. But one moment of impatience may ruin a life. That's why God says, okay, we want our relationships to be good. So love is patient. And we need to be patient with others. Love is kind, he goes on to say. A kind person is someone who's always looking out for opportunities to do something to help others. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the apostle Peter spoke and he said, The Lord Jesus went about doing good because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. But the Apostle Paul, when speaking of kindness, and we'll, we'll end, we'll pull this together. Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, the Lord's servants, that's us. Specifically those who are in ministry. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and patient with difficult people. They should be kind and the point of the apostle is when there is kindness in presenting the truth of God, it's amazing what God will do to that other person who we might conclude doesn't deserve the kindness. But it's amazing what God will do if we are not quarrelsome. And uh, I did a little reading on this week. And, you know, it, it's possible. It's possible. And sometimes in the communicating of the Bible, we stir up quarrels. We say, here's the truth. But didn't wasn't Paul the one who said, speaking the truth in? You see, without the love, people are going to sense it. I'm going to tell you something. It's confession time. One time in, New, in um, yeah, it was New York. I was speaking on a subject of forgiveness. And at the end of the service... Hang on. At the end of the service, a lady came up to me and said, Who were you mad at this morning? And I thought, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. I had to confess to the Lord. I guess in some part of the... I don't even remember. But I said, you know, all I know is I shouldn't have come across like that. I should have come across that, well, we know the verse. Love, uh, forgive one another as God has forgiven you. So I told this lady, I can still see her. I say, no, God's forgiven me. And if I sounded judgmental, uh, I didn't mean to. And she said, wow, I like hearing that. I said, I like your response. <laughs> um, we, we, do, we really do need to be careful. We need to be need to be very careful. Love is kind. So all these things, 1 Corinthians 13, as John mentioned, it's a passage of Scripture that we could look at often. It is amazing how God will use something like that in our lives. And let me close with this. <clears throat> we look at what's in 1 Corinthians 13. And we say, oh man, it's going to be hard to be kind. It's going to be hard to be forgiving. It's going to be hard to um, show patience towards others. But here's, what, here's how I'm looking at it. I remember, and you know real well, Galatians 2.20. It 
In fact, if you know it, would you say it with me? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Okay, let's stop there. Christ lives in me. So if that is true, please keep this in mind. How the Lord is going to be with you. You see, between now and your journey, your walk to glory, you're on your way to glory. We all are on your way to glory. The Lord's inside you. And he's going to help you. And so you say, well, how's he going to help me? He's going to help you to have patience that you didn't have before you got an idea of what he asked for in 1 Corinthians 13. So we say, because Christ lives in me, I can be patient. Because life, uh, Christ lives in me, I can be kind. Because Christ lives in me, I do not have to be envious. Because Christ lives in me, whew, boy, Lord, I can forgive somebody who from a human standpoint is not really worthy to be forgiven. Lord, please help us with our relationships. And uh, if there's a relationship that maybe you know is really strained, maybe you could start praying about that and get that strain taken away so that you have a freedom with your God and with one another. Let's pray.